Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're wearing maroon today. We don't have a game to play this weekend, but we're Bulldogs 365247. That's right. Be sure and check us out at jeanspage.com. We're actually running a 50% off an annual subscription promotion right now. How about that? And uh, I, I'm happy to say that your good friend and host and our incredible crew over at uh, jeanspage.com, we're among the national leaders right now, and it's because of you. I'll give us some credit, too. We do a great job. We give you unprecedented coverage of Mississippi State Athletics, but if you guys weren't there to read it, we wouldn't be able to make a living doing it. So thank you. But if you've always considered maybe, hey, now's the time, now is the time. And you can get an annual subscription at 50% off. You'd be glad you did. You'd come chat with our experts. Uh, sometimes the uh, discussion gets a little bit spirited. Don't take it personally. We don't. And if somebody gets out of pocket, we'll take care of it for you. But uh, 50% off, jeanspage.com. And uh, if you're a fan of another school, uh, we are running this promotion nationally. So if you are an Ole Miss fan, you can keep up with Dave Johnson at Inside the Rebels. If you're an Auburn fan, you can go to Auburn on the cover. Uh, whatever. So I know we have uh, some fans that listen to uh, the podcast that are not just Bulldogs, which is kind of weird, but okay. But nevertheless, you don't just have to be a Mississippi State fan to take advantage. Our, our great Southern Miss site, Golden Eagle Pride, also uh, 50% off the annual subscription there. So go by and check it out, no matter your, your school of interest, and get half off an annual subscription. And people say, but Steve, what about us? Well, everybody came in at some point under some promotion right let's just be honest about that so new membership drive or uh you come back and join the fold at half the price on an annual uh, subscription i'm along this weekend Uh, i'll be doing i'll doing some uh, east coast Sox baseball coverage it's a plan anyway i'm kind of waiting to hear from them when i need to come but uh east coast Sox showcase in town at duty noble and kind of the surrounding area playing some games at uh, starkville academy and some games down at uh, east mississippi so a lot going on, even though we're not playing baseball, there's a lot of baseball being played. We're going to talk a little bit more about Mississippi State baseball and the College World Series in the final segment of the show, but uh, a lot of football talk today. A lot of football talk today. And so since I am by myself, I'm not going to cook. Last night I made a couple of grilled cheese sandwiches uh, around midnight, watching a documentary on Netflix, and I said, you know what? I think I want to eat. So I made a couple of grilled cheese sandwiches. That's probably not enough to sustain me. So at some point, either today or tomorrow, I'm going to go to Bulldog Burger Company. I love going to Bulldog Burger Company because I know what to expect. There are a lot of places you go, you're not sure what to order, you don't know what the house specialty is, you're not exactly sure what they specialize in. I know when I go to Bulldog Burger Company, I can get a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Lately, I've been on the onion rings kick. I know that's a weird thing because I don't like uncooked onions, but onion rings are cooked. And they're great. They're delicious. I don't know if anybody makes a better onion ring in Starkville, Mississippi, than the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. So if you are an onion ring connoisseur, be sure and get that the next time that you're in. How about that? Uh, Again, I'm still riding the Mississippi barbecue burger chain, and I've been threatening one day I'm going to go in there and get two of them. The portions are so substantial, I'm kind of amazed that I'm able to do that. I mean, it's like I'll, I'll finish one, but it's so delicious. I think, you know what, i got to keep eating, and if I don't finish, I'll bring it home and eat it later instead of making grocery sandwiches. Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to work, a great place to eat, 
a great place to enjoy a night out with friends or family. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. We'll have some tap takeovers coming up soon and also live music from time to time over there in Tupelo. It's always great when you can go have a great meal, enjoy some good company, have some live music. You feel like it's more than just a restaurant experience, and that's kind of what you get at Bulldog Burger Company. Be sure and go check them out next time you're in town. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. Now, like many of you, this is the time of year that uh, years ago, because I'm from the 1900s, and uh, these magazines were still prevalent in the early 2000s. They still make them, but just about everybody has a digital copy now. We're getting football fever, man. And we'd always go get Street and Smith's and the Athlon's preview, and we'd read it cover to cover, and then we'd finish it, and we'd get in the bathtub and read it again, or we'd be laying around one day being lazy, and we'd read it again, and we'd read, you know, so much of that. And not just because we were just happy to talk about football, but because, you know, you wanted to see what everybody else was expected to do this year. That was our resource. Before we had the Internet available to the United States public, the Athlon preview was kind of our lifeline to college football. And we were so grateful for it. And then I met some of the people that write these previews for Athlon, and I began to realize what a fool I was because they know absolutely nothing, most of them. There are a couple of guys who do a good job. There are other people that I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you have a paying gig, to be quite honest with you. But nevertheless, that sounds a bit arrogant, and I apologize for that. But that said, the Athlon preview has been out for a while, so I'm going to take some time to go through this. I'm going to share my thoughts. I wrote an article earlier this week, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle of a busy news week in Starkville. It's called the uh, Mississippi State Football for SEC Voting Dummies. And I went through that, and I kind of explained, hey, you're going to pick us last, and here's why you shouldn't. And here's what we've done historically against this team and this team within the West. Here's what we've done head-to-head. Here's where we finished. Here's where you picked us, clowns. But all that said, let's go through the Athlon preview. If you haven't read it, or maybe you hadn't thought to check, because a lot of people, like, you know, you go to Walmart or whatever, and the wife's walk around doing some shopping, so you spend your time over there in the old magazine rack, and you're like, hey, I'm going to get these couple magazines. So maybe you hadn't had that experience in a while, because it's a much busier life these days, right? I love those days when, when I can just chill with the wife, to be honest with you. There was a time that she didn't want me going to Walmart with her. It's a true story. And it's not because I would fill the basket with stuff that was unhealthy or unnecessary. When, um, when Flim Flam came out, I'd go to Walmart and people would want to stop and visit. You know, hey, Steve, this was great. I can't believe this is so wonderful. And in the beginning, I think she thought it was kind of cute. So she would stand there and we'd visit and introduce her. Well, when Stark Villains came out, she was like, hey, I'm just going to let you visit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go shop while you visit. And you just, you know, text me. Let me know where you, you know, you're done. And I'll let you know where I'm at. And then when Alpha Dogs came out, she used to say, hey, let me just go by myself. So I, I just want to go do some speed shopping. I, I don't have time to deal with you. And so it wasn't mean-spirited, but I get it. But nowadays, uh, you know, things have calmed down a little bit. Even though the new book is uh, about halfway done now. But I love going to Walmart with her, especially when we're out of town. You know, I just like going and, and hanging out. I mean, I married her in the first place because I love her. I like spending time with her. I don't know why you married your significant other. I know why I married mine. I like hanging out. That was one of the things we used to always talk about is, baby, we get to hang out the rest of our lives, and we do. 
So it's nice to have those days when you don't have a lot going on and you can just kind of be a couple. It's amazing. And sometimes that is an undervalued part of life is being able to just be a couple. We get so caught up paying the mortgage and paying bills and work activities and the kids run your rag and sometimes you forget you're still dating. I encourage you, gentlemen, not that I'm letting you ladies off the hook because you got to put forth some effort too. But gentlemen, I can tell you, don't ever, 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 ever let her forget that she is the apple of your eye. Do some thoughtful things for her. Always make a big deal about her birthday. Tell her you love her and that she's beautiful every single day. Every day. Because you mean it. Because sometimes you get caught up and it's like, oh, you know, well, well, I told her that she was beautiful on our wedding day and my opinion hadn't changed. Well, you know, women need to know those things, especially as they begin to age and get older. Yeah, I remember when, when, when Miss Roseball was turning 40, she thought I was going to trade her in for a younger model. And that's just not true, you know. Or sometimes all of a sudden, you know, for a young lady, all of a sudden they begin to get a wrinkle or two here and there. Not that I see those things, but um, they think we do. So it's important. So I'm going to get back to football now. But I just wanted to share that kind of advice for gentlemen and for young guys especially. Always make a big deal about her birthday even when she tells you not to. Period. I'm not saying you got to go take a cruise or anything, but make a big deal out of her birthday. You know, do something great like uh, go buy her an outfit and like leave it on the bed or whatever, a little card inside and said, hey, dinner's at seven, have this on. You know, something like that. I mean, you know, do something unexpected. Do something you see in movies. Sometimes I think my life is a movie. But um, with all that being said, a little relationship advice for you. From a guy that's been married now for 30 years. And it, listen, it hadn't always been a bed of roses. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but nevertheless, I love my wife. And uh, I want all of you to have happiness too. I really do. And, and I guess maybe I'm so tender to that today. I'm at a point in the book now, I'm just about to meet my wife as I'm writing this book, in, in the book itself. Uh, I've just been arrested, if that tells you anything. I've just been arrested, and then we're about to go through all of the legal problems and then go into treatment and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there's the RID program, and then I meet my wife. So I'm kind of looking forward to that, but I'm not rushing this process. This is a central part of our story. And, of course, uh, When the Bottom Falls will be out, it's the name of the book, uh, be out late September, early October. They can turn these things around really fast these days. Unlike Dogpile, which took forever and a day. Still makes me mad. But anyway, let's get back to football. The Athlon Sports Preview here. Maybe somebody will get something out of that. Maybe one of you ladies are going to get a surprise gift now. All right, so let's look at the Athlon Preview. That, that's not the gift, guys. Don't, buy, don't go buy our magazine. Okay, on the East, Athlon Sports. I don't know who wrote this preview. Uh, let's give them credit if, if, they, if, they, if they take ownership of it. And uh, Stephen Lawson. I don't know anything about Steve's work. He's got a, a hell of a first name. But Stephen Lawson wrote this on June 7, 2023. This is the official Athlon Sports SEC preview. So we'll give him credit for that. I don't agree with Steve's picks. <clears throat> right out of the gate, especially in the West. That said... And, you know, kind of my cursory view of the East, I don't agree with the East either. All right, number seven in the East, according to Athlon Sports, is Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt got better down the stretch last year. And a lot of that had to do with Mike Wright, the quarterback, who was incredible. And guess what? He's in Starkville now. He transferred to Mississippi State. Got two years left to play. It's going to be interesting to see how we utilize him. But Vanderbilt will have to kind of live life without him. And Mike wasn't a full-time starter there last year, but down their big their wins down the stretch, 
Mike was the straw that stirred the drink. But give Clark Lee and that group some credit. They have uh, generated a little juice there in Nashville, and it's so difficult, too. I mean, even when Vandy baseball is good, nobody goes to games. I guess we just watch on TV or the comfort of their, their lounge or whatever. But the reality of it is Vanderbilt doesn't have much fan support in nearly any sport. They'll claim they do. They don't. But you remember we went last time we played at Vanderbilt in football, there was probably three to four times more Mississippi State fans there were than Vanderbilt fans. No question about it. But down the stretch last year, Clark Lee and the Commodore staff turned some heads, won some big ball games. That's great. I think it's going to be a different year this year. I think they'll be tough on defense, but it's going to be tough to get a winning record. They nearly made it last year, nearly got to 500, almost, and they were, I think, the top-rated APR team. If it, if it, if it went down to 5-7, and seven, Vandy would have got in. Well, he didn't. But not only did they lose Mike Wright, um, they also lost uh, running back Ray Davis, who is now at uh, Kentucky. So it'll be interesting to see how A.J. Swan can move this thing along. Uh, and, again, we benefit from his development last year because they said, hey, he's our future, we're going to go with him. And then Mike ultimately leaves. Didn't want to move to wide receiver, so now he's here. So Vanderbilt picked seventh in the east, and I think I agree with that. All right, number six is Missouri. Now, you remember down the stretch last year, I kept telling you guys Missouri was going to be to Arkansas, and I thought the whole thing was a conspiracy. I don't know if it was or it wasn't, but that's what happened. Missouri beats Arkansas. We get another bowl-eligible team, more money for all of us. Not that money ever has anything to do with college athletics, right? Yeah, right. But they have Missouri uh, rated six. That's probably true. Maybe, maybe. I think they're going to be as good as Brady Cook turns out to be. Defensively, um, you know, this is a team that should be average, I guess, maybe. Uh, they changed offensive coordinators in the offseason, so you never know, you know, how that's going to go. you got a, an experienced quarterback in Brady Cook, a new offensive system. We'll see. Uh, but Missouri defensively last year, there were times they were absolutely outstanding. They did lose – you know, a couple players here and there, but they should be a very salty defense, which should keep them in some games. I won't be surprised if Missouri overachieves by a game or so this year. Having them six probably makes a lot of sense, though. But defensively last year, there were some times you were thinking, man, if they could just find a way, just find a way to get generate a little offense here, they could win some ball games, And they did late. But, again, we're back at the drawing board offensively. Number five, according to Athlon Sports in the East, it's Florida. I'm going to be honest with you here. I have Kentucky here. And you'll say I'm a Kentucky hater, and that's okay too. They have Florida here. Anthony Richardson is gone. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't a big AR-15 fan. I know he didn't want us to call him that. Nevertheless, the nickname stuck. But Anthony Richardson – an extremely talented athlete could make a lot of plays when things broke down. At times, when you made him be a quarterback, he would struggle at times with decision-making. Uh, so now, where does that leave you? You know, well, you know, Billy Napier is a guy that I was a big fan of when I thought about him getting the Mississippi State job because I felt they had an offense that we could recruit to within our natural recruiting footprint. You would think at Florida you could do the same thing. The difference is, is the competition for the players that they want and the demands to win quickly – 
are much greater in Florida. And maybe that says something about us. So we'll see how things go. But what's going to happen here with the quarterback situation is that you know, Graham Mertz transferred in from Wisconsin. Maybe he's the guy. That's probably one of those deals, too, that will uh, probably go into fall camp. Uh, Trevor Atn, an outstanding running back. We, we expect him to be able to run the ground game. That's what Billy did at, at, at UL Lafayette, too. They ran and ran and ran with a trio of running backs, just kind of beat people up. They brought some boot action um, type stuff, some quarterback option type situations, you know. So that'll be interesting, too. You know, do they do some naked boot stuff? You know, the bottom line is this. This is a Florida team that cannot afford to have another bad year. Absolutely cannot. Billy Napier can't afford to have another bad year. And you start looking at this thing with, uh, yeah, with Scott Strickland. You know, how patient will Scott be with Billy Napier? You think, well, you know, it's just year two. It's an expensive deal, obviously. But I think it's one of those deals, too, where I don't know that Florida, in the vein of Jeremy Foley, is going to let a guy hang around with a bad year three consecutive years. They go six and seven last year and go out there and, guys, that Las Vegas Bowl game, do you remember that game? They played the Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon beat them 30-3. to It was a complete mismatch. It was an embarrassment to the Southeastern Conference and the Florida football. The game was not competitive in any way whatsoever. But it was a trip to Vegas. We kind of wanted that trip, too. Remember that? We're like, hey, if we don't win the Egg Bowl, we're probably heading out west. And we're like, hey, a trip to Vegas, I'm good with that. But Napier, six and seven. You know, 2021, that's the Greg Greg Knox-Dan Mullen uh, combo. They were six and seven that year, too. And people forget, Dan Mullen went to three consecutive New Year's Six Bowl games. And then he's fired. You can make your own conclusions from that. So Napier comes in, and you begin to think, okay, Year two, what are the expectations? I think the East is a lot better in recent years. And I think Florida's going to struggle. But I think they're still going to find a way to beat Kentucky and and, uh, get out of of fifth place here. All right, a fourth place team, I disagree with this too. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, the East is a bit really a toss-up once you get through Georgia and Tennessee. But uh, they got South Carolina fourth. Oh, Stephen does. Now, the things that I think about is the fact that Vanderbilt is a little bit talent poor. They're going to be going with really a first-year full-time starter. Kentucky, Will Levis is gone. And the best thing about that is I don't, we don't have to have these SEC talking heads shoving him down our throats anymore when he was a very average quarterback. And then you've got Florida figuring out their quarterback situation. However, at South Carolina, they're not. Spencer Rattler's there again. And and is he erratic? He absolutely is. And there are times, if you make him be a quarterback, he'll give you the football game. He does take chances with the football. That said, Spencer Rattler is a difference maker. Absolutely can be. I think Shane Beamer and that staff done a good job putting him in a situation that uh, he can be successful. 
Juice Wells, big-time playmaker. They get Trey Knox to come in from Arkansas, who was kind of underutilized at Arkansas. Let's be honest about that. You know, he was expected to be a real dude on the outside. He's going to be a flex tight end in this scheme. We're going to have our hands full when we go up to Williams-Brice. That is one of the only two stadiums in the SEC I haven't covered a football game yet. And so we'll knock that off the list this year. Matter of fact, we're going to be doing an event Friday night with the MSU Alumni Association. We'll sign some books. We'll have a good time. But we're going to have to go play well up there. And in many ways, I think that South Carolina game is probably the game that determines if we have a good year or a great year. But South Carolina's going to be good. They're going to be great. They're going to be good. And a lot of it is going to stem from the fact that they have a returning veteran quarterback. We talk about it all the time. All the time. It's one of those deals, man, that whoever has the best quarterback from the Wee to the pros, you only wins the game, generally. All right, Kentucky was terrible on offense last year despite having the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. Terrible on offense. Guess 20 points a game. Just over 20 points a game. And they go seven and six. And I, I go back again. Dave Murray brought us. If we had Jaden Cromedy, we get Lexington, then we may win that ball game because we couldn't stop the run. And of course, that's it's easy to talk about in hindsight. But they didn't exactly play well. We played worse. They shortened the game on us. They ran the football. We couldn't stop them. We'll get them in Starkville this year. Um, I think Kentucky is exceptionally overrated every year, and every, and every so often they surprise you. I think the best thing to do every year with Kentucky is just expect them to be a lower-level bowl team. They're not going to be a losing team, and they're rarely going to win big, and then occasionally they, they'll put together a 9-10 win season and give Stoops and those guys some credit. But let's be honest, the expectations to win at Kentucky are non-existent. And as long as you had the opportunity to play, you know, at the time – you know, South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt, well, that's three just about automatic wins every year in the SEC. You win at least three or four non-conference games, you're in a ball game. But I think Kentucky, in many respects, is kind of a, a picture of mediocrity. And it's incredible uh, how excited they get about this anytime they win a game against us. I think they see themselves as a better program. And uh, in recent years, it's just kind of been even. But uh, the reality of it is, is this is a game we should always expect to win. We should. For some reason, going to Lexington has kind of been like a, I don't know, kind of a kryptonite for us. But uh, Will Lavis is gone for sure. Uh, they believe they've got some really good receivers up there, and they do. Barry and Brown is really good. Um, and then, you know, Devin Leary has transferred in from NC State. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes up there. But it's a brand-new quarterback in a system that was very non-productive last year with an NFL quarterback under center. They got him picked third in the East. I think that's a joke. I agree with the top two and the bottom two. And I guess the arguments are always going to be made in the middle. Tennessee is second. I like this Tennessee team, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens to quarterback. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going off this offense. So you could see somebody slipping in here, and maybe, maybe South Carolina, who knows. But somebody's going to make a run in the east, not named Georgia. You know, Tennessee, I mean, you don't have Hendon Hooker anymore. Where would Tennessee have been last year without Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt? That was a trio that was as good as anything in a conference. Absolutely outstanding. 
And this is an offensive scheme that kind of lends itself to challenging teams vertically down the field. You know, for a couple of years there, we weren't sure who was going to play quarterback at Tennessee. But they figured it out. And, they're, you know, Joe Milton, of course, is still there. Joe has had some shiny moments up there. But we'll see. I think, again, we talk about the quarterback play, Tennessee unsettled at quarterback. Georgia, obviously they lose, uh, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in their history, Stetson Bennett. I mean, the guy won back-to-back NFL championships. Former JUCO product. It's going to be interesting. Ra-Ra is there now. Mike Bobo's taken over as the offensive play caller. And you'll never convince me there wasn't some substance to uh, Mike Bobo's interest in Mississippi State, even though I think all of it was kind of a well-orchestrated kind of a PR campaign to get his name out there associated with an SEC job. But uh, Carson Beck is expected to be the starter there, quarterback. So, again, you start running through the East here, and you begin to realize the only team that has – there's only two, really – uh, Missouri and South Carolina that have returning starters under center. But Georgia has so much talent in other positions, you got to feel good about there. Let's get to the West real quick here. All right. Number- Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made 
in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. For seven, it's not Mississippi State. They've got Auburn. I think this is I think this is terrible. I really do. I, I think Auburn seventh is not good. I think Auburn's gonna be better than that. And I think that uh, Hugh Freeze will use this disrespect as a motivational tool as he should. Offensively, they're gonna do some things differently. You know, it's gonna be one of those things too. You know, Auburn has a tremendous amount of talent at most of the skill positions. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, what are they going to do, a quarterback? You know, that, that kind of remains to be seen. I wouldn't rule out a two-quarterback system. I actually have Auburn sixth in my predictions. But I think they're going to be one – I think it's going to be one of those years where probably the top six teams in the West go to a bowl game. But Auburn's schedule is interesting, for sure. Ron Roberts is a guy that uh, – Mississippi State at times had talked to uh, about potentially being a defensive coordinator here under Joe Moorhead. Um, I know that uh, there was a time, too, that uh, Mike Leach talked to him or inquired about him before we hired Zach Arnett. So this is a guy obviously that's well-respected. I think Auburn's picked too low. And then they have Mississippi State as sixth. The thing that I go back to with all this is, um, other than us tweaking a little bit on offense, and and that's probably underselling it a little bit, But we're going to be more in line, I think, with what we need to be having more balance. Not going to be running the air raid. It was fun most of the time. wasn't always. There were other times people just shut us down because we couldn't do anything else. We're going to have a lot more balance, for sure. you got a veteran quarterback. you got a veteran offensive line. Uh, there's continuity on defense, even though Arnett's been elevated to the head coaching position. Matt Brock is the guy that gets there. Matt Dewhurst takes that spot at safeties. Everybody else... Uh, is back with the exception of Jeff Phelps, who was replaced by David Turner. That is an upgrade for us. Phelps is a great guy, but David Turner's a better coach, better pedigree, better recruiter. And uh, I remind you, too, that uh, there were two linebackers last year that did not make any of the preseason all-SEC list. Any. They, give, they, they announced three teams. 
And then Bookie Watson and Jed Johnson went on to lead the Southeastern Conference in tackles, one and two. Again, people don't do their research. Uh, I think State's better than six in the West. I think all this is probably, again, a good, a good thing for Arnett. He's joked with me a little bit about uh, my optimism about the season. He goes, oh, man, keep expectations low. I said, man, you got eight home games and a veteran roster. Expectations aren't going to be low. Number five, they have Arkansas. I actually have Arkansas seventh in the West. I do. Now, I may feel differently later after watching them play. But I think, I think that's going to be an interesting game between Auburn and Arkansas. And I think the winner of that game avoids the seller. I think Arkansas is in trouble. I know some Arkansas fans would be like, nah, Steve, you're just being a homer. I- I'm really not. And you, look, you saw last year this whole thing with, uh, with KJ, who I love. I love KJ Jefferson. Loved him when he was a recruit here. Happy that he has found an opportunity to, uh, to play football at a high level. When he was banged up last year, we didn't see him last year in Starkville. I, I, and no matter what you may think, I think we were going to win that football game anyway. But it's one of those deals you look at this team – and Sam Pittman was a questionable hire in the beginning. He won me over. Not that he needs my approval, but uh, I was like, you know, I kind of like Sam Pittman. It's hard not to like Sam Pittman because he feels like he's one of us, right? I mean, he just seems like he's a good, down-home Southern guy that just likes ball and loves family, right? That's how it looks. And so I want him to do well. I mean, not at our expense, but I do. I really want Sam to hang around. But you look at this deal here. This is year four. So year one was three and seven. Nobody would hold that against him, right? Three and seven. It was an all-SEC schedule. Uh, they came in here and beat us to get their first win in forever and a day in the SEC. It was terrible, absolutely terrible that we lost that ball game. Thank you, K.J. Costello. 2021, they go eight and four in the regular season, and they win the Outback Bowl against Penn State. And then last year, K.J. gets hurt. And I don't care who you are in this conference, when you have to play a backup quarterback, the chances of you winning go down tremendously. They go 6-6 six and six in a regular season, and they beat the Kansas Jayhawks in a barn burner of a game, 55-53. I just think the bloom is off the rose a little bit. You lose Barry Odom. You lose Kendall Browse. So completely new system on both sides of the line of scrimmage. That's a real challenge. It is. I mean, it's going to be a challenge for us, but the difference is is that, you know, we went out and got a, a coordinator, obviously, that is a quick turnaround guy. Not that we were bad offensively, but there were times last year we just disappeared. we got to have more consistency. Now, the, the benefit for Arkansas is they get Rocket Sanders back, who may be the best running back in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, and you say, well, Steve, maybe – seriously. When you look at how they utilize him – when you look at the fact that he is basically a pro back already playing in college, if I'm Dan Enos, I'm going to find a way to get him to football 25 times a game, without question. The guy's a star. He is. But it's going to be interesting. They had to go into the portal and uh, really go get some defensive help. They were terrible last year on defense. So the real challenge is going to be, you know, what happens when you get into a ball game and there's separation in the game and you kind of become a little bit one-dimensional. What does that do for Enos? And Enos had some good years there um, in Arkansas before we left to go to Miami. With, uh, with Manny, it didn't work out out there. But um, nevertheless, 
I think Arkansas is in some trouble. I think it's going to be a difficult year for Arkansas. And, and listen, they still may be 6-6, six and six, don't get me wrong. Could be. But I think Arkansas is in some trouble. I, I think the supporting cast around K.J. Jefferson isn't what it has been. And that's going to be an awful lot to fall on his shoulders and also to kind of learn in a new scheme. They have Ole Miss fourth. I don't, I don't listen. Whoever is uh, the PR director at Ole Miss, we need to hire them. And uh, maybe we don't let them go out in public, but we need to hire them because every single year, Ole Miss in every sport is typically the most overrated team in, in the conference. I don't know what they do to the people of D1 baseball, but um, every year, I mean, every year, and it, oh, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. I guess Bianco is the guy that trades access for, uh, you know, for coverage. I don't know. Ole Miss was not a good football team down the stretch last year. They weren't. We played terrible in that ball game and still won. We were terrible for about three quarters. I mean, go to that first drive and we score. We, but the rest of the game, you know, until the, we kind of got rolling a little bit there, we're terrible. And they had a little something to do with that, but more times than not, it was us. I think Ole Miss is going to look at a similar situation this year. They're going to they're going to go beat these non-conference teams like a drum, and everybody's like, "Oh, we're back. We're going to do this." And listen, they were seven and zero to start the year. They hadn't played anybody though. All of a sudden, they start playing some teams with a pulse. One and five in the final six. And again, it's like, "Oh, we transfer, 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 transfer." How far how far did it get you last year? You have to have some continuity and some chemistry. It's going to be difficult to do. I think Ole Miss is going to be a good team, not a great team. And I think they're an injury away from um, at the quarterback position from having a really bad year. And, again, look at Mingo's gone. Malik Heath is gone. What do you have at the wide receiver position that is played within this league? Everybody's like, oh, well, they brought in this quarterback here and this quarterback there. Are they going to run a two-quarterback set? You only play one, Right. It's not like, okay, we went out and got five wide receivers. Well, you can put all five of those guys on the field at one time. You know, we've got four great quarterbacks. Well, you can only play one at a time. It's their scholarship money to do what they want to do. But uh, sometimes I think that Ole Miss, I know this is a big shock, they, uh, they place too much emphasis on headlines. Ole Miss was not good on defense last year. Uh, 30 points a game down the stretch. And, again, I think I, I, I like Jackson Dart's game. I know some of our people kind of hate on this kid. I, 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 there were some times last year, early in the year, I said, I don't think he's going to be able to do it. And give Lane Kiffin and that staff some credit because down the stretch, they really kind of played to his strengths. And it really wasn't a situation where I thought Jackson Dart didn't have the ability to win these games. I think the quality competition got better. As a result, the windows got smaller. And he did have some bad moments at times too. But uh, I like the kid's – uh, you know, the raw materials he's working with. He is a better athlete than I think most people expected. But this team is going to center around Kenshaw Judkins, who was amazing last year. Absolutely amazing. A guy that just kind of let him lay out there in the reeds and nobody even talked about him or hyped him up. Great guy. Uh, transfers to Kari Franklin, comes in from Texas San Antonio. He was exceptionally efficient last year, very productive receiver. Can, does that translate to the SEC? You know, we'll see. And they do a good job scheming things up. Give Kiffin and those guys some credit. They do a good job kind of uh, scheming things up to get the matchups that they want. Uh, and Pete Golding will be there this year. And, uh, of course, Dave will tell you they stole him from Alabama. 
Alabama fans were, were more than happy to help him pack. But I think, again, it's going to be a middle-of-the-road team for Ole Miss. And they have them at fourth uh, because I think they're expecting them to beat us in Starkville. I don't see it. A&M third in the West, according to Athlon Sports. Now, I, they were a young team last year in many respects. Uh, I'm an Anaya Smith fan. I think that guy's going to be a really good player. You know, Moose Muhammad third had a big ball game against us. Uh, Connor Wegman kind of got forced into action a little bit last year. But they have Bobby Petrino there, an experienced play caller. Again, you're learning a new system. But I think of the teams that are putting a new offensive system in, Petrino's probably got more skill to work with, especially at the wide receiver position. And, you know, he's a guy that runs a lot of wrinkles. They did a lot of crazy stuff at Arkansas. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, Devin Achain has moved on. One of the better players in the Southeastern Conference last year. Do they play the freshman? Reuben Owens a lot. They probably have to. I think A&M is going to be better. And I think for Jimbo Fisher's case, they have to be. They went 5-7 and seven last year. They beat LSU in the final game of the year. And a lot of people said, hey, yeah, this is what we signed up for. And LSU won the West last year. You know, LSU could have been in a New Year's Six game had they won that ball game last year at College Station. They didn't. So it was a shiny moment to end the year and probably a little bit of a sign that, hey, things are kind of picking up down there. But uh, A&M struggled with some injuries last year. Uh, that's a defensive unit there that's going to have to be really good, though. They're going to have to be really, really good. But I don't like them third. Number two is LSU. LSU should be really, really good this year. Should be. They lost some pieces on defense. They did. That happens every year. Uh, I'm not especially impressed with their wide receiver depth like some other people are. I think the difference in this is Jaden Daniels. You know, how good can Jaden Daniels be? You know, he was the guy when things broke down last year. He killed us, and then he absolutely destroyed Ole Miss. This is a guy, too. You get back in coverage, and uh, you make him be a quarterback, and next thing you know, somebody, you know, loses contain, he'll just tuck it and go. If Jaden Daniels has a sprained ankle, we win that game in Tiger Stadium last year. He, he won the game for them. I mean, give their defense a lot of credit, you know, for, for shutting us down there in the second half. But Jaden Daniels was a hero of that ball game. It took a while to get him going, and I would say the game against Ole Miss is when people realize how special he could be. I just didn't think he was going to be able to survive the year running as much as he did, and he did. He's very careful and very smart. Uh, but this is an offensive line and a running game that should be really good. The receiver's just kind of okay. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, Brian Kelly wants to run football. I think he's a little more of a throwback coach. You kind of run it to keep everybody honest and get those safeties to creep up and you hit a shot over the top. Malik Neighbors had some shiny moments. Former Mississippi State commitment Malik Neighbors had some shiny moments out there. And we'll see. Uh, the, the, the straw that stirs the drink on defense is obviously linebacker Harold Perkins, one of the most productive players in the country last year uh, down the stretch. Absolutely amazing. Secondary, again, a lot of issues out there. You know, they had so many guys out there that uh, have moved on to the NFL, and uh, they've hit the portal pretty hard too. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think LSU is a team that can be had. I really don't think the race between one and two is maybe what it was last year, you know. But, you know, what's Alabama going to do with quarterback? It's crazy. Is it Tyler Buchanan transferring from Notre Dame? Is it Ty Simpson? Connections to Mississippi State. 
Is it Jalen Milrow? He played some last year, but other times he was he had some shining moments, and other times he didn't. But I don't worry about Nick Saban. Maybe you do. I, I, I never worry about Nick. I think Nick will figure it out. But, um, you know, Kevin Steele's back as a defensive coordinator. And listen, I, people have been so hypercritical of Kevin Steele over the years. The guy's got an impressive resume. And all of a sudden he's going to have probably as much or more talent at his disposal than he's ever had in his career. So defensively they'll be really good. And here's a new newsflash too. Alabama's going to run the football. They are. They're going to run the football. And then when you creep those safeties up, they're going to throw over the top. They have arm talent. It's just a matter of they can, you know, get this thing together on a receiver side. We'll see. I think they're going to be okay, though. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's the Athlon sports thing. And, again, I don't agree with a lot of their picks. And uh, that's part of the deal, too. But I think a lot of people are just like, hey, you know, Auburn was bad last year. And, you know, they kind of played above their heads, you know, with Cadillac at the helm. And, you know, it's like, listen – Hugh Freeze and I obviously have a history, but the guy can coach offense. It's just being disingenuous. Mississippi State going to have one of the most veteran rosters in the, com- in, the, in the conference this year. And people are like, ah, you know, I think they're 6-6. Six and six. Well, why do you feel that? Well, you know, Arkansas. Do you realize how much we've dominated our Arkansas for the better part of the last dozen years? Well, I, I like A&M. Do you realize that we are 5-5 five and five against, or excuse me, 6-4 and four against them in the last 10? Do you realize that? You know, so we're not scared – of Ole Miss, we're not scared of Arkansas, we're not scared of Auburn, and we're not scared of A&M. We got our hands full with LSU and Alabama. We get LSU up here this year, and we'll see. We'll see how things go. But that's the Athlon Sports Preview. I thought I would save you some time, save you a click, and kind of give you my thoughts, and also to kind of give you their uh, their picks for the year. And again, hey Steve, I know how difficult it is. You put you put your opinions out there, and people are going to pick you apart. That's the thing I've learned about life, especially being in this industry is uh, when you're the good news guy, everybody loves you. When you become the uh, analytical guy or the talent evaluator, then you're an idiot. That's just how life works. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's B, excuse me, C-L-O-S-E, if I can spell, with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Sometimes I try to be too specific with it. But CloseWithBlair.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair's a guy that knows how to get things done. 22 years of experience in the mortgage lending industry. Nobody stays in any business for 20-plus years by luck. This is a guy that gets things done. And so if you've, maybe you're a non-conforming borrower with an atypical property, but Blair has seen it all and done it all. You're not going to shock him. And maybe you're a person in the past that's been turned down. Maybe you're, maybe you're in financial straits right now that you don't want to be. Maybe your situation's in dire need of assistance maybe you're in foreclosure i don't know but i know this i know this blair is the guy that has solutions give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344 again 601-500-2344 and you can visit him at his website close at blair.com and be sure to let him know you heard about him on the bone yard Again, it's closedblair.com. All right, and as you guys know, I've been writing this book, so I've been going back into the soundtrack of my life. In the late 80s, in the very early 90s, your good friend and host was a huge Keith Sweat fan. It was uh, part of my date soundtrack, and uh, my wife mentioned earlier, when I talk, she said, who's top 10 today? I said, Keith Sweat, and I kind of told her this is why. She goes, I guess you thought you were smooth. I said, I was smooth. 
She said, oh, you were? I said, I got you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, maybe it didn't have anything to do with Keith Sweat, but it, the thing about Keith Sweat, man, I had a friend of mine. He was an Ole Miss guy. Uh, I guess he still is. Uh, we don't even mention his name on the show. But, but anyway, he's like, man, you put on this tape here. If she don't at least start holding your hand, it's time to take her home. Probably right. Keith Sweat, for all of us that were kind of learning to date in the late 80s, Keith Sweat was a part of the deal, man. It was. All these slow jams. And I don't know if there's anybody out there that was doing it better than Keith Sweat. Listen, there's a lot of R&B acts that I loved. I mean, I was a huge Jodeci fan. Matter of fact, the first, the first CD that I got, Clean and Sober, was Jodeci's Forever My Lady. Matter of fact, some of the workers at the play, I gave her the money and she went and bought it for me. They weren't supposed to do that, but she did. She liked me. But... I loved all that early uh, 90s R&B. I did. Loved uh, Boys to Men, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, because we were trying to learn to be romantic ourselves. But Keith was it, man, for me. So these are my top 10 Keith Sweat songs. Now, they're not all slow jams. We could put together a top 10 Keith Sweat slow jams list. But this is, there's some up-tempo stuff in this thing here, too. And we're going to start with a song that I think is an underappreciated classic in the Keith Sweat catalog. It's a song about cheating. Something, something just ain't right. That's it. Something just ain't right. And Keith basically said, hey, I know you've been cheating on me and something, I can just feel it. The vibe isn't good. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know exactly what it, what it, what it means. And like when I was dating, you know, we didn't have all this text messaging, you know, so like if you, if you called somebody, had to leave a message or whatever, and if they were if they didn't call you right back, you just assumed they were out of the house. We didn't have instant communication with each other, and then you know all of a sudden she doesn't call you back. She so ride by the house and there's no car in the driveway, and like, well, shoot, where is she? You know, and so you didn't really know if you were being avoided or if people were just busy. Nowadays, it's pretty obvious when somebody's ignoring you, and you get that vibe like it, you know, something's just not right in this deal. And sometimes you're just being insecure. Let's just be honest about that. But anyway, in this situation with Keith, something wasn't right. Number nine, a great breakup song. And uh, Keith is kind of laying his heart out there for us and kind of letting us know, man, that um, he's devastated. It's why me, baby? Why me? Why'd you do this to me? Again, another song about cheating and moving on, whatever. You know, having forethought after the relationship. A lot of people say Keith's a bit of a whiner. Maybe he is. But I know this. I listened to that song many times back in the day myself. Number eight, it's Merry Go Round. Great song. It starts off with kind of a uh, carnival type uh, beat. And then we go right into a great, great, great R&B groove. Love that track, Merry Go Round. If you don't know it, go check it out. Uh, number seven, back into some uh, up-tempo stuff. I, yeah, I think some of the better stuff in the catalog is the up-tempo stuff. I think Keith was a crooner and did a great job on this up-tempo stuff, and I don't know that he gets enough credit for it because I think he does such a good job enlisting emotion from his listeners in the slow jam stuff that people think he can't do the rest. Well, he can, and that's obvious with the great song Keep It Coming, number seven on your list today, Keep It Coming from Key Sweat. And, uh, again, that's about getting into a relationship, you know, like, hey, let's don't slow down. Number six, this is a song that I absolutely loved. I actually had this initially as a cassette single. We used to buy those things. And then ultimately went out and bought the whole album. But it's uh, Make You Sweat 
there are some lyrics in there that kind of make me kind of cringe a little bit in hindsight, you know. The part of when he says, uh, you say no, but I say yes, you know. Uh, Keith, all right. Maybe. All right, number five. This, in many people, people's mind, this may be the greatest Keith Sweat song of all time. And it, it is really, really good. Don't get me wrong. That's why it's number five on your list. But it's I'll Give All My Love to You. And uh, there were people in the early 90s, this was their wedding song. That's how, how big it was. Great song. And again, a lot of relationship-type topics with, uh, with Keith. And this was, again, probably the one that, um, in many respects, really kind of pushed him to superstardom. But I think maybe our number four song is the one that uh, really made him a force. Not just on radio, not just with R&B circles. Because that's the thing, you know, back in those days, everything was even segregated, even with the charts. We had the urban chart. Stupid. Uh, but to make it last forever. Love that song. And ever and ever and ever. Make it last forever. And when you, that's how it feels when you're truly in love, man. You want, never want that feeling to end. Number three, nobody. It's a duet, but it's a Keith Sweat classic, man. Nobody. You know, who can love you like me? Nobody. It's a great, great track. The harmonies are good on this. The chorus is great. Uh, the bass line is infectious. Um, I guess Athena Clark, I think that's her name, uh, sings the female part on this. Great, great, great song. Number two, Twisted. And again, this is one of those ones where you're falling in love and all of a sudden you can't focus on anything else. There's a lot to this song. Great track. Uh, probably one of the more downloaded Keith Sweat songs out there. Like I see those charts every once in a while pop up, you know, like, and I don't know how accurate that stuff is. You know, it'll show up on Facebook or whatever. And it'll, you know, most downloaded rock songs from 91 or most low, downloaded R&B songs from 91. I, I look at that stuff because I'm curious because I'm always looking to add something to the playlist. But uh, number one for me, and, you know, I kind of got a, a policy about I, I don't like to end with ballads. And so I saved this one. I used to, when I was a DJ years ago, and I, not just at the radio station, but uh, my buddy Brad Dearman had uh, DJ equipment, and it was one of the ways I used to feed myself, is I would DJ uh, parties on the Southern Miss campus and um, used to DJ at the Pedal Roller Dome. So if you skated at the Pedal Roller Dome in uh, the fall of 91, there's a good chance I was your DJ. Yeah, that's right. And so sometimes we'd shut it down, let the kids go dance in the middle, and I'd go dance with them. But I used to mix this song back and forth with uh, Jody Watley's Don't You Want Me. I love Jody Watley, too. To this day, I love Jody Watley. But I would mix in Key Sweats. She would say, Don't You Want Me. I'd bring back Key Sweats. I want her. And then we would eventually transition over to this great song. I want her from Key Sweat, number one. That's your Key Sweat list. Love it. Love the up-tempo stuff. If you only know the slow jams, I encourage you to get another rest. You'll enjoy it. Key Sweat. A timeless classic performer of my generation. And um, he's done some other stuff too. He's done some collaborations with people. But in my mind, in my estimation, nobody was better at producing slow jams in late 80s, early 90s than Key Sweat. And I'll die on that hill. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out, let us know. You can find Roy, the keeper of the list, on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D A W G M A T I C 67. And you can find our great list on Spotify under that same handle. And I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. If you're not following me on Twitter, what are you doing with your life? 
Come by and check us out. And again, thanks as always for your support of the top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If you are unfamiliar with Campus Bookmart, then what are you doing with your life? The greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Go by and check them out. The bully shop has been completely renovated. Everything is upstairs now. It's allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merch. Whether you're looking to outfit yourself, your home, your office, whatever, you can find whatever you need at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, to see their smiling faces. Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, that is BSR. You know what it stands for. Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, campusbookmart.net. I thought we would take a trip down memory lane today you know, we spend so much time agonizing over recruiting. We talk about this class, this guy's going to pan out, this guy's not. I thought we'd go back and take a look at the Mississippi State class of 2018. It's five years ago. Some of those guys have moved on. Some of them are still here. Some of them panned out. Some of them didn't. So let's take a look at it. Uh, this class was ranked 27th by the 247 Sports Composite. Pretty nice, kind of our average. We had 13 players from Mississippi, five from Louisiana, two from Alabama, one from Florida, one from Tennessee, and one from Texas. And the one from Texas was actually from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Let's start with Devontae Jason, uh, better known as WAP. Who is WAP for Eugene's Page subscribers? Devontae Jason came in, struggled to get open, was a guy that just, it never really took off for him. A lot of people thought that was really a, a big get for us and kind of trending in the right direction. And uh, ultimately, he ended up transferring. Not sure what WAP is now. Not sure what WAP's doing. Not even sure why they call him WAP. But Devontae Jason's career at Mississippi State was a disappointment. The second highest play, rated player in the class is four-star offensive tackle Quatrevis Johnson out of Greenwood High School, dollar bill. And uh, he has done some good things for us. It's taken him a while to kind of get in shape and get developed, but uh, he's a guy that uh, still hanging around. Was a little frustrated his freshman year. He didn't play more. And I recall, too, there was a, a great story during his recruitment. You know, that's when John Havasey and Dan Muller and those guys left for Florida. And Hevesy goes by to call on Dollar Bill Johnson and was basically told, hey, he's going to Mississippi State and uh, coach, there's no point coming back to recruit him. Of course, John Hevesy was a big part of the reason he committed to Mississippi State in the first place. And then Dollar Bill's mother died shortly after graduation, and he's a young man that has, for the most part, kind of been on his own and making his own way in the world. We're glad he came our way. Uh, Jaden Crumbity, big baby. Four-star defensive lineman out of Oak Grove High School, he was a sleek, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a sleek and thin. You can see how I got sleen out of that. It's a new word. Uh, defensive end. And he came to campus and he was up about 30 pounds and he's become a guy that plays with his hands in the ground and has become Mississippi State's best defensive lineman. So a big hit there. Stephen Gidry. Out of Heinz Community College, you recall we thought we were going to get him out of high school and eventually out of Heinz after year one. He was going to go to LSU. 
Couldn't get in, went back to Hines, shows up to Mississippi State, had some big moments, but never fully realized his potential at Mississippi State. I was wrong about the Texas guy. Because Jalen Maiden was a Texas guy. Jalen Maiden, obviously a guy that uh, fit what Dan Mullen wanted to do offensively. That was a great get from Mullen early in the class. He enrolled here, didn't stick, ended up going to San Diego State. A guy that's moved around a little bit position-wise on a high school level, on a college level. But um, it was a big get for us at the time, but never played a meaningful snap for Mississippi State. One of the more under-ranked and under-appreciated players in the state of Mississippi that year was Marcus Murphy, out of West Point High School. We absolutely loved Marcus. You know, Marcus and uh, his girlfriend had a, uh, a child that was, uh, had a lot of challenges early on, and Marcus uh, made the difficult decision to forego his senior year. We would love for him, him to, uh, to hung around and finish his degree. He's another young man that lost his mother during his college career and uh, felt he needed to go pro to make money to support his child. So we support Marcus. We love Marcus for uh, his contributions to Mississippi State. Uh, big pick six up there at Arkansas to kind of put things away and a big interception in the 2018 Egg Bowl. Fabian Lovett eventually transferred out during the COVID quarantine. It's a well-documented story. I'm not going to get into all that again. Uh, Fabian goes to Florida State, and he's put together a really good career out there. You recall, too, he was also part of the Ole Miss tampering investigation that led to them getting sanctioned by the league where they couldn't take a uh, Mississippi State transfer. He and Jerry and Jones are both a part of that. But Fabian uh, Fabo, as we called him, he was a Mississippi State commitment, did not sign in December, made everybody sweat it out till February, but ultimately did become a Bulldog and played very early in his career and will likely sign an NFL contract next year. Aaron Brule was a guy that was a safety. If you recall, early on in his recruitment, he committed to Georgia. And as a result, uh, we shifted our attention to Miles Mason, who flipped from us to Arkansas and ultimately we go back and get Aaron Brule, who was the guy we really wanted anyway at safety. He eventually grew into a linebacker and at times took some uh, blitz angles that ran him by the quarterback and he wanted to be guaranteed that he would be uh, have a starting position here. But the emergence of Jed Johnson kind of made that an impossible promise. Brule transferred to Michigan State. Think a lot of him. Uh, wish him the best in life. Comes from a great family. His dad, an outstanding guy. Jaquaria Spivey, another guy that came in and was kind of the hero of a spring game uh, shortly after Leach and those guys got here and then transferred to TCU. He is now back on campus as a grad transfer at Mississippi State. We expect big things from him this year. He shows up on campus. He's already uh, in a pretty good position as a tight end because of the fact that Mississippi State simply didn't have any. So we need a big year from uh, Jaquarius for sure. Nathaniel Watson. Wanted to be a wide receiver out of high school, wasn't a wide receiver, committed to Mississippi State, took some other visits in hope of finding a wide receiver opportunity. I recall, too, and I've had this discussion many times before, Buki's redshirt year, his first year, his first fall camp, he was a guy so incredibly unsure of himself that there were walk-ons ahead of him in drills. Not for long, but there were. And there were a lot of reports about how great he was doing in drills. I'm here to tell you that wasn't correct. That freshman year was a difficult one for him. He figured it out, and it's become the most productive tackler in the Southeastern Conference. 
A lot of people last year thought he may go ahead and go pro. He likes to come back. He, he trolls everybody and said he's going in the transfer portal and everybody loses their mind and he takes it back. But Buki Watson, a great get and a great player that has worked hard to develop. Asias Furge, you may remember years ago, I used to do combines all over the state of Mississippi. Asias Furge went to our Delta combine uh, there at Cahoma and was outstanding and ultimately gets an offer from Mississippi State, commits very early, never really um, you know, looked at any other schools after that. And Asias has been the guy you just can't run off. I and mean, a lot of people have thought, well, you know, he's moving on or he's falling down the depth chart. Asias is committed to Mississippi State. And uh, as of right now, he is uh, the first-team corner opposite the Cameron Richardson. Every year, somebody comes in to try to take his spot. He continues to play well. Not a great player, but a good player. A guy that's always around the football. And a guy, again, that loves Mississippi State. Jalen Reed was a corner out of Olive Branch. I think a lot of Jalen Reed, he's a guy that's already got his master's. He's working toward his master's, no longer playing football. Uh, never really played a lot of meaningful snaps for Mississippi State, which was a bit of a, point, a disappointment. And I recall when he decommitted, uh, Joe Moorhead had let him know if he didn't find another opportunity, we would certainly take him back. And we did. So Joe was honorable there, but Mississippi State did not get a lot of production uh, from Jalen. But uh, Jalen did have a good experience here, earned his degree, and, of course, uh, worked on his MBA. Now, Sean Preston, kind of a surprise commitment there out of St. James, Louisiana. Had the older brother, uh, younger brother, excuse me, that uh, one of the most highly coveted receivers in the South. But we've gotten our scholarship money out of Sean Preston. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Sean's a guy at times that has struggled with coverage, but he is a guy that can go down and fit the box. Very productive tackler and will be a guy that we count on heavily this year. Jet Johnson, it feels like Jet and Buki have been here forever, and they have. Uh, Jet, obviously a guy that kind of bided his time, <clears throat> worked as a special teams guy, worked as a two-deeper, ultimately wins the starting job, kind of wrestling that away from Aaron Brule. And once he got on the field, you couldn't get him off. A guy that grew up wanting to play at Mississippi State, but it was a very interesting recruitment between State and Ole Miss. Give Hugh Freeze and those guys some credit for at least confusing the issue for a while. But in the end, Jet went with his heart and chose Mississippi State and has put together a great college career. Devin Robinson was a guy, to be quite honest with you, we had him at Big Dog Camp that year, and I wasn't sure if we would maintain our relationship with him. He did not have a great camp. Uh, he was a guy, too, that was, uh, you know, kind of long and lean at the time, too. He put on some mass. We thought we'd be able to swat him inside. Things never came together, and ultimately he transferred out of the program. The last member of our class that year was Cameron Jones from Starkville High School, who was uh, committed to Louisiana Lafayette. D.J. Looney was his primary recruiter down there in Lafayette. And at the very end, D.J. thought they were going to be able to hang on to him. Mississippi State came in with a late offer, kind of confused the situation. But Cam always wanted to be a Bulldog and was not going to turn the opportunity down. But he gets a signing day offer and takes it. And, again, it was very, 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 very tenuous for a bit. I remember getting calls from D.J. telling me, I think he's going to stick, I think he's going to stick. And ultimately, he didn't. He goes to Mississippi State. Uh, got hurt last year, but uh, saw him recently. He said he's 100% good to go. They were careful with him in the spring. When we get into fall camp, Cam will be full, full bore and uh, ready to contribute. Cameron Young. I remember when we took him. People forget this. We talk about being kids of character. He had committed to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and had a tough time letting that go. And you'd say, but Steve, it makes no sense. Chance to play in the SEC. Cameron Young 
is a young man that his word meant something to him. And we had to flip him from Mississippi Gulf Coast. It's crazy. And in, in the end, some of the coaches at Gulf Coast even told him, hey, you come down here, the, the dream to get down here is to get to the SEC. You've got a chance to do it now. And uh, I give Bob Shoup a lot of credit, too. Bob told me way back when, he said, Cameron Young is the next great Mississippi State defensive line story. He said, this guy's going to play in the NFL for a long time if he stays healthy. And we expect him to get um, get some years under his belt, to say the least. But uh, great, great, great take by Mississippi State late. And there's Brad Cumbus. Remember him? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. Brad shows up at camp. We've already taken a tight end. And Brad was so electric that day. He had got an Ole Miss offer the day before. They dispute that now. Uh, but uh, talking to Kenny Cumbus and Brad, who were in the office, Ole Miss absolutely offered. And then he comes to Mississippi State, gets an offer, and jumps on it. Said he'd always wanted to play at Mississippi State. I still remember interviewing him shortly after he got the offer. He goes, I'm fixing to go in here and commit right now. So just hang around. I'll have some comments for you afterwards. So we went ahead and did the interview as basically he had committed. He hadn't even done it yet. Love Mississippi State. Ultimately, uh, had to give up football to go baseball full-time. Has a great career at Mississippi State, part of our NAFL championship team, and then gets drafted. And uh, think a lot of Brad and a lot of people run here do. Brad kind of fits Mississippi State. Cameron Gardner was kind of a questionable take in the beginning. A lot of people wondered, you know, why we take him as early as we did. We did. Cam actually had some pretty big catches for us uh, early in his career. He wasn't scared. He just wasn't a especially physically talented, didn't have the foot speed to really uh, run away from people. But he was a guy willing to make the tough catch. And I don't know where Cam is today, but we wish Cam the absolute best. Linebacker Shamar Kilby Lang was the guy that never got rated in this class, which is interesting how we could let that happen. Uh, probably could have pushed Mississippi State in the top 25 when it's all said and done. But Shamar Kilby Lang was the guy that Glenn, Young, Glenn Davis, excuse me, uh, down at Colin, thought an awful lot of. He came in here and was just kind of a two-deeper for us. Never really uh, reached his full potential. But he was a guy that played exceptionally hard for State and was kind of a, uh, you know, uh, a special teams guy that would go down and blow somebody up. There were three other signees that didn't enroll. Malik Heath out of Callaway High School eventually comes to us out of JUCO. And then John Carice Patterson out of Pearl was an electric player. He never made it back either. Neither did LaDamian Webb. But all three of these guys were electric, and I understand why you take a chance on those guys. Uh, it just didn't work out the way we had hoped. But um, that's your class. And, again, you, you go back and look here. You look at difference makers. I mean, Brad gave us some good memories, but most of those were on the baseball field. Cameron Jones, a guy that's been a very solid player for us, played up and down the line for us. You get Jed Johnson. You get Sean Preston. Asias Furge has been a very solid two-deeper for us. Then Buki Watson. I, obviously, you look back in hindsight – uh, probably the, the most productive member of this class, shortly followed by Jed Johnson. But, of course, Buki played uh, a little bit earlier in his career. And Spivey, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, but, again, you look up and down here, and it's like, especially at the top of the list, you know, Jaden Crumbity of the four stars, Jaden Crumbity is the only guy that was really an impact player. And we spend all this time and effort. Again, you know, we hang on every word these young people say. And, again, you look back here five years ago, and you begin to think, well, you know, that, that class looked good on signing day. But in hindsight, it really didn't turn out nearly the way we expected it to. And we got some value as some of these players. But by and large, this is a class that had some guys that really just didn't do a whole lot. And ultimately, and we count, count them down here, uh, you had Cam Gardner, 
Devin Robinson, um, Spivey, Brule, Lovett, Maiden, and Devontae Jason. So you had 20 enrollees that year, and then seven of those 20 ultimately transferred. Over a third of the class transferred out. That's rather remarkable. I think we would all agree. You know, so did we get enough value out of this class? I think one could say probably not. We did get some great players, but by and large, just kind of dudes, right? Just kind of dudes. You had more transfers and you really had impact players. You had some guys in here that, that were somewhat productive, uh, but by and large, this class, even though it ranked in the top 30 at 27, it didn't give you a top 25 type uh, level of production, by and large. And again, a few shining stars in there, but the depth of this class, not what we'd want it to be. And the thing that I go back to is look at, you know, we talked, Dan Mullen did a great job really on the back half of his classes, right? Finding value in those final few scholarships. Because everybody, you know, everybody raves about the top 15 guys in your class. It's really the bottom half. And of course, we have, you know, 20 enrollees out of 23 signees. But, you know, look at the back half of this class. You know, Cameron Young was a guy that was rated an 83 and a half. Went to the National Football League. Cameron Jones, a guy that's rated an 84. Chance he may go to the National Football League. Jed Johnson, an 85, finished second in the Southeastern Conference in tackles last year. Uh, so you kind of get the point that I'm making. It's like you know, the true value of a class is not what the headliners do. It's what maybe the guys that are developmental guys turn out to be in the long run. That's an important part of this. So we'll do this from time to time. You know, it's going to be summertime content. It's sometimes good to go back and kind of remind ourselves that, you know, signing day, as important as that is, it's not the only day. You know, I've, I've seen so many guys that will be a four- or five-star type kid, and they get into uh, fall camp for the first time, and there's some walk-on out there that's been well-coached for two or three years. It kind of shows them how the cow eats a cabbage. It's important to understand, too. There's a lot to learn. And when you sign these guys and you rank these guys, it's on potential. It's not always on production. And we didn't always get the production out of this class uh, that we'd hoped. So there you go, a look back at the class of 2018 to see who did and who didn't uh, perform. And I remember that, that wide receiver class, we were so excited about that wide receiver class. Like, oh, it's going to be so great. And, and we committed a ton, a ton of scholarship allocation uh, to that position. And again, you, you go back and look at it, it really didn't work out. You had two receivers that didn't qualify. You, you knew John Carice wasn't going to, but WAP, Stephen Gedry, Spivey, Cumbus, Cameron Gardner. I think we can look back at hindsight and say that that wide receiver class was a bust. Five enrollees, they were bust. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. And I, I'm not I want to be hypercritical of Brad because obviously he switched over to baseball and, and uh, again, was part of some very special memories for us, but just didn't do much on the football field. And I wonder what if Brad could have done if he had just stuck with football or a baseball earlier in his career, but he wanted to chase both for a while, and he did the best he could. And I think in time, his baseball career really began to take off when he stopped playing football. I had some, a major league baseball scout told me one time he was probably a 1,000 at-bats behind people in his class because of the fact that he had committed so much time to football. You know, so he didn't get the chance to go play uh, in the Cape and, and places like that. So he didn't see live pitching. And so once he, he gave up football, all of a sudden – 
his ascent really changed. So very grateful for that. But again, this wide receiver class on signing day seemed really, really good. But in hindsight, we didn't get much out of it. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. And I'm happy to say, too, uh, they have, they're going to be leaving us because they have successfully felt, met their needs and their goals. And uh, I want to take this time to thank Brooks Bryan and everybody affiliated with Portico. Very difficult climate right now when it comes to home building. And uh, these guys have done a great job bringing a wonderful residential development here. Uh, there is going to be a builder that's going to finish the, the, the uh, projects out, so there's still a couple spots out there. Be sure and tell your real estate agent. But um, this is not goodbye for Brooks because Brooks is my friend. But they're going to be leaving our show. So if you have advertising interest on the show, and I get hit from time to time on that, and I tell people no because I don't want to add too many ads. But uh, if you have an interest in this spot, hit me up. Let me know. We'll be happy to talk about it. But, again, thanks to Portico for all their support over the years. And uh, wish them the best in their future endeavors. All right, final segment of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about college baseball here. A lot of everybody wants to know, well, you know, see what's going on with Justin Parker. I'm uh, supposed to meet with Justin Parker uh, here in the next couple of days. We'll have that interview over jeanspage.com, and be sure and go check that out. It'll be for our subscribers. And if you're not a subscriber, again, you can take full advantage of the 50% off sale that we're running in June. And uh, if the numbers are correct, I'll wait till they're audited, but it appears as of today we have now hit an all-time record for subscribers at jeanspage.com. And uh, many thanks to everybody that's involved in that process. Now, uh, we talk at Portal Recruiting. There's some new names out there that people are talking about. A lot of new names have gone into Portal. Not a lot to share with you yet, other than the fact that we do have, we have had some visitors on campus. Uh, one of the things that I'm hearing, you know, catcher-wise, I mean, a lot of those guys are going in the Portal to look for starting opportunities. And it's going to be tough to start at Mississippi State behind Ross Highfield, right? We feel like that we have, um, you know, met our needs as far as the starting situation goes, but we like to carry four catchers. So does that mean that we take a late high school developmental guy to kind of balance the class out a little bit? You got a Juco guy coming in. You know, Ross is going to be a sophomore. But uh, you'd like to have a guy that could be a veteran guy. And I don't know if you go get a guy that maybe is a defensive specialist and maybe he didn't give you much at the plate. You know, just a guy that can give you a little bit of a uh, – a day off of Ross in midweek, and, and that's difficult to come by because at this point, everybody's like, I'm leaving a situation because I want to play every day. We just don't have that opportunity. So I think our options at catch are going to be somewhat limited, but we have to go get one. We have to. Absolutely have to go get one. And we'd like to get two. But, uh, again, we've got a story ready on a guy that we think may be close to making a decision to be the catcher. We have it ready. I'm not going to put his name out there because all of a sudden if it doesn't work out, people are like, oh, you know. But until they visit and have a chance to sit down, we're going to leave that kind of where it is. Robbie Falk has the story ready to go. And as soon as this gentleman decides, if he ultimately picks Mississippi State, we'll publish the story. Again, we've already got it ready to go. So important to understand. Uh, pitching's a big thing now. Justin Parker, of course, uh, obviously – He's got to get up to speed quickly. And I'm told that he has already met with some of our players and kind of gone over some things that he has seen from watching film of them. And he is officially on campus now. Uh, got here yesterday. And, again, we'll sit down here the next few days. But um, this thing is crazy how it's all worked out. I mean, it really is. And, uh, you know, I've had some people tell me kind of the, the, the Rob Walton saga. Once we kind of get a little bit farther removed from that, i got some things I want to share. And Rob Walton's the guy that wanted the job, you know, he wanted the job, 
Uh, looks like he's going to end up staying at Oklahoma State. Uh, but how, how cool is it that Mississippi State, when Mississippi State comes calling, even after a couple of lean years, that you have people in the Power Five, they're like, you know what, yeah, I am interested in that job. There were so many people, including myself, that said, you know what, we're going to have a tough time finding somebody. We really are. I mean, who's going to be willing to kind of hitch their wagon to this thing knowing we've had two bad years? And if you have a third one, it could be you're getting fired too, right? If you're already at a good spot, you think, you know, I like Chris. I love, I'd love to coach at Mississippi State for those great fans. But am I willing to do this? Which, again, says a lot about Chris Simonis. Now, the fact that he's able to get Justin Parker, someone within the SEC, it's not like we went and took him away you know, from, from uh, Coastal Carolina, as I mentioned. And uh, I've been reminded here recently, you know, that we, uh, we have hired mid-major guys before that have been successful. You know, we hired Butch Thompson, Butch Thompson after he'd been fired. Uh, I believe that's correct. And we had hired, uh, you know, Wes Johnson from Dallas Baptist, even though I don't technically consider them a baseball mid-major. They're a little more on the upper end of that. Not a power five, but they're, they're an Omaha team in waiting, in, in my estimation. But we've had some success with some guys maybe on the scratch and den pile, which says a lot about this situation, the fact that we're able to go get a guy from an SEC school that's won multiple national championships, a team that went to Super Regionals this year. So no matter what your opinion is about Chris Simonis, I think we can all agree he had a home run here. And I've told him as such. It's like, Chris, this is incredible. Justin Parker is the real deal. And this is a guy, too, that eventually will be a head coach somewhere. Really, really smart. And uh, give Zach Selman and the administration uh, a, a tip of the cap, too. Because when I went and met with Zach, he told me, we're going to give Chris every, every resource he needs to get this thing turned around. It's not like they're hamstringing him. They want to get the job done. If that was going to be the case, then just go ahead and make the move, right? But this is a big deal for Mississippi State to get Justin Parker. And so now he is charged with getting us a couple more pitchers. you got to get competition on the weekend. You know, Holman from Alabama is in the portal. Obviously, if he wants to come, you take him right now. You go ahead and make that deal today. That's a true bona fide Friday night guy that has done it in our league. Went 7-4 and four last year. Big-time player. And so if we're able to get him, that's great. I think Justin Parker is a guy, too, that knows our league well and will understand after breaking some of these guys down. It's like, hey, I remember when you did this and you did that. It's not like you're bringing somebody and it's completely foreign to the neighborhood in which we live in. But we got to go get some help on the weekends. We do. And we need competition there. And, again, I still think Jerron's low and loft, and they're probably uh, two of your weekend starters moving forward. I'm eager to see what uh, Justin does with those guys. Bradley Lofton, you guys know, um, had season-ending surgery, but it's not something that's going to keep him out this year. And I'm eager to see what that kid's going to do when he's healthy. This is a guy that would walk the bases loaded and strike out the side. You know, and, and now that he's gotten rid of that discomfort, you know, we surely hope that he returns to 100% health because he is a guy with first-round talent. Let's not forget that. You know, sometimes when we have these discussions about Bulldog pitching, we forget the fact that Bradley Lofton's a guy that turned down a ton of money to come to Mississippi State uh, to, to have a chance to go to Omaha and win an AFL championship. And we didn't get the best version of Bradley last year because he just wasn't healthy. And now that he gets healthy, you know, that's something right there that a lot of people are going to look back in hindsight and say, man, if we'd had that kid, you know, now we, now we do. So it's important to understand. Uh, middle infielder, would, there may be a depth piece in there somewhere. I mean, if you could find a guy like Nate Chester, maybe you take him. I, I, I'm all about taking the best possible player. 
And we obviously have an opportunity uh, to upgrade our talent level. But with Dylan Cup, a guy that's a Major League Baseball prospect at shortstop and an alpha dog type guy, as someone described, he's kind of a Tanner Allen guy. Kind of Tanner Allen, from an attitude standpoint, a guy that is a winning baseball player that expects to win every game and will do everything he can to win. And he is an elite defender. You know, the bat's going to take a little time. Everybody has to make that adjustment when they get into college baseball. And you think about Mershon, you know, you could slide Mershon over to second, you know, if Larry doesn't come back. And there's just a lot to this. But, you know, we've got to get a third baseman. We've got to get a backup catcher. We've got to get some pitching. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, College World Series. You guys watched it. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of like one of those things we didn't want to happen, but it's happened. LSU comes out of loser's bracket and uh, <clears throat> takes care of Wake Forest. And uh, so, for what, the 23rd time in 24 years? I always forget if I'm counting the COVID year or not. The number one seed in the NCAA tournament does not make the final, does not win an NFL championship. It's only happened one time since we changed the format, and that was in year one with 99 when Miami won the College World Series. So, again, it's the curse of being the number one seed. At least Wake Forest got to within a game of playing for a championship. You know, Tennessee and Arkansas didn't even make it to Omaha. But they called themselves Wake Forest. Again, it's a much different deal getting them out of their own ballpark. And LSU has struggled with some of this stuff, too. That said, LSU's here playing for an AFL championship. And, again, I think, again, I think it's one of those things, Tal, you look at it and say, this is the world in which we live now with NIL. LSU was not – this time last year, or maybe two weeks prior, SEC tournament-wise, you're thinking this LSU team is just going to be very mediocre. And they go out and get Tommy Tanks who hit the two, uh, the two the walk-off home run last night to eliminate Wake Forest. You have Paul Skeens, the best pitcher in the country, and uh, give Wes Johnson some credit. Paul Skeens was already an outstanding pitcher, and now that he's committed to just pitching full-time and not catching and pitching, they've been able to get some things going with him. He will be one of the first players selected in the draft. Easily the best pitcher in the country this year. You saw a really good one last night for Wake, too. So, all due respect to him. But, you know, Skeens is a, is a machine. And then you could bring in Thatcher Hurd, who does an outstanding job, and he's been so up and down. He had the back injury, and then he comes in, and, and we absolutely roasted him when he pitched against us down in Baton Rouge. But in Omaha, Thatcher Hurd's been outstanding. And so, you look at that team, and you say, you know what? They had some pieces. But in order to get over the hump and get to Omaha and get to the finals – their transfers made the difference. Where would this team be without Paul Skeens and Tommy White? Well, they'd be at home. And so when you think about what we need to do, number one, it can be a relatively quick fix if we get it handled. And obviously, we've got to step up our NIL game a little bit, and that's not a criticism of Charlie Winfield in any way whatsoever. Bulldog Initiative's doing a good job. But you want to get back to Omaha? You want to get back there really quick? Uh, considering giving some money in it to uh, the Bulldog Initiative. LSU's kind of proven that. And they look on the Florida side of things, much different. You know, they've built their team in a different way. I think that is sustainable. I don't know that the LSU model is because you've got to hit on so many guys. I still like Florida to win it. I thought it would be Florida and probably Stanford. And then Stanford's the first team eliminated on that side of the bracket. But, you know, Florida has had an easier path. But, you know, LSU's hot. Florida's hot. LSU works with loser's bracket. Florida did not have to sit uh, a lineup yesterday, you know, so they had a chance to rest. 
the Florida offense is legit, and they will likely not see Paul Skeens unless this thing goes to Monday. So it all gets started Saturday, and uh, you know, you, you'd like to say, oh, well, Florida can take it in two games. But the thing I think about, too, last night Skeens was hittable. And, again, that's on short rest, right? I mean, 120-some-odd pitches earlier in the week and 120-some-odd pitches yesterday. you got to wonder, even Paul Skeens is human. You know, what would he have in a tank if this thing goes to a deciding game three? And I'm sure that's what LSU fans are thinking. We just got to get it back to Skeens. I think against this offense, Skeens throwing basically three times in a week or eight days, whatever it proves to be, that's not what you think it is. But you want to go out both barrels blazing, right? You want to have put your best uh, pitcher on the mound and hope for the best. But this Florida offense is ridiculous. They are absolutely ridiculous. And they're a team, too that uh, is well aware of how other teams in the Southeastern Conference have competed against LSU. The two teams did not meet in the regular season. So that'll give us something fresh. But uh, interesting is it as you go back, you know, Florida wins their long NAFL championship and they beat LSU to do it. That was when they beat uh, uh, Kramer Robertson. I don't know if you heard, he's uh, Kim Mulkey's son. Uh, but, you know, they beat Kramer Robertson and Jared Poche and all those guys and, you know, Lang, all those guys were shoving. But Florida wins. And so it's a rematch, and which also assures that the SEC will win the NAFL championship again. Again, we're kind of running this thing. But in order for us to take the steps needed, you know, we're going to have to make sure that we're allocating the resources necessary for NIL. And I'm eager to see uh, what this new fundraising hire does for us and how we restructure the Bulldog Club and things of that nature uh, to make it more advantageous for us to give to NIL. I, I tell you what's interesting, too. Uh, Joe Deere is my friend, longtime baseball SID with State. I don't think he'd mind me sharing this with you. We're talking about LSU sanctions in football and basketball, which were a complete joke. Uh, I thought football would, would get off relatively easy because they'd already self-imposed a bowl ban, and uh, they ended up vacating a bunch of last miles victories. That didn't help us. But um, all that said, you know, basketball, I mean, you had Will Wade – caught on a federal wiretap, and they get three years probation, which is lengthy, but the sanctions itself were really not much to speak of. And I think Joe made a good point, too. He goes, you know, sometimes the NCAA requires schools to pay a fine. Uh, maybe that should be split among their conference affiliates NIL fund. How about that? What, what if that was the case? What if you got in trouble and then you had to pay this huge fine and it went to Mississippi State? That's, that's ingenious, if you ask me. I think that should be proposed. I think instead of that money going in the NCAA coffers so they can hire somebody else to do a do-nothing job, why not let that money be distributed among your conference members? Interesting, right? You talk about a deterrent. If i got to go write a check for a million dollars for this fine and all of a sudden I'm helping bankroll my competition to make my job more difficult, that's a little more of a deterrent if you ask me. It's a good idea, Joe. Good idea, Joe. Good on you. All right, listen, if you haven't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You get most of my sports books there. Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, and Flim Flam, all available for purchase. Signed, personalized copies through uh, Dogpile the Book. And then Blooms of Oleander will soon be going out of print. Stark Villains, unless you can find it in the bookstore, already is. Um, and we'll do a short run on those books, maybe down the road. Uh, but nothing right away. You know, of course, I'm working on the new thing. And uh, we're always trying to empty out the publishing warehouse, for sure. And... Uh, Plenty of copies of Dogpile. I guess there's probably about 600 copies of Flim Flam. I think that's still around. Uh, that's probably right, about right. We, we had a big run around Christmas on Flim Flam. I'm not sure exactly why, but we did. 
but so she so still got books that you can purchase there. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. And you get Starkville's gear, t-shirts, hoodies, everything you need there to rep the brand. And if you are a Starkville high school parent, we do Starkville in, in black and gold. If you're a Starkville Academy parent, we do it in blue and orange. So not only do you, are you repping Starkville, you can rep your school by using your team colors. Pretty cool, right? And obviously maroon and white, black and white, everything else. But uh, if I was a Starkville high school parent, and I was, uh, Ian had Stark Villain hoodies and uh, basically wore them to school and people were like, dude, where'd you get that? StarkVillains.com. Very easy to find. Easy to find. And again, as always, come by jeanspage.com. 50% off an annual subscription. And uh, we've already had several new subscribers today. So thank you for that. Come join the party. And uh, it'll be football season here before you know it. But, uh, you know, again, more times than not, if anybody's breaking news about Mississippi State, it's us. And you go back and look this week. You know, the, the only name that I mentioned last week in our updates on the pitching coach search was Justin Parker. And then who announced Justin Parker? We did. And then who announced that Dakota Jordan was going in the portal? Robbie did. Who announced he was coming out? I did. And, then, and if there's ever any news on basketball, Paul Jones is going to have it. So if you want to know first and you want to know before it happens, you need to be a subscriber at jeanspage.com, a 247 sports affiliate from Mississippi State. Come be a part of the party with us. Guys, I hope you have a great weekend. And my hope is college baseball season is open before we get back or is over the next time we get together. I'd love to see Florida win this thing in two games. And it's not that I don't love it. I'm just kind of ready for this to be over. Because it's just kind of a constant reminder of how bad I wish we were there. And I wish that we were part of postseason baseball. But I'm very optimistic. I think we're going to get some things taken care of. We just got to hit this portal hard and find some pieces to come in here and uh, turn this thing around. And, and I don't just mean go get some guys from a G5. We need to go out there and be very competitive and get us some guys who can come in here and be sure enough studs uh, for us. We've got a very nice nucleus of players returning, but there's a few spots out there we could use a little help for sure. And then pretty soon be football all the time here on this show and kind of moving forward. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.